Welcome to the Drive Time News Blast. 30 minutes, 50 for subscribers of news of the day from a perspective of truth, liberty, and justice. This is Monica Perez. And I'm Brad Binkley. Our top story comes from a different country and maybe even a different dimension. What you got, Binkley? In South Korea, Seoul, they are the first city to announce that they will be opening up a shop in the metaverse. So unlike we had the embassy that was established by Barbados, now we have Seoul who is opening up a virtual city hall that will do everything from touring a historic site to filling to filing a civil complaint by putting on your virtual goggles. You can go to City Hall and file a complaint against whoever. It's as part of a 10-year plan that aims to improve social mobility among the citizens and raising the city's global competitiveness. One of the angles of this is that it enables more access to people who are handicapped. We mentioned that the other day. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, that's fine, but that's uh a minority of what it's for. Right. And one of the barriers is to that is the price of the entry-level headset, which I've been talking about, was $300, just got knocked down to the $200. So they're already lowering the prices or making cheaper options available because they want to get these headsets on more people's faces. Who is lowering the price? Facebook, Meta. In Seoul or everywhere? Everywhere. They have a standard price for their headsets and there was only two options available, but a third option just became available, which is now the cheapest option. It's $200, and I expect that to continue lowering as we move forward. But they have a plan that they're going to develop its own, their own metaverse platform by the end of 2022, have it fully operational by 2026. You can do public functions, a virtual ma- uh, mayor's office, uh, spaces serving the business sector, investment organizations, and they're going to kick it all off at the beginning of 2023 with a metaverse 120 center for public. We have your virtual public services where your avatars will handle those citizen concerns. And I got to tell you, I interacted with some people in the metaverse. Yeah. It's weird. It's really, really weird because you have your avatar and you go sit at a table or something with people and you see their avatars and you feel like you're sitting at a table with a bunch you of strangers. Interacted with other people wearing strangers. those headsets? Yes. Where were they? One of them was in Australia. Another one was but in I the mean, UK. Were you, was he on the balcony with you? No. Were you you, have, to go into, you have to go into a virtual multiplayer game. And Did the you multi- have to be vaccinated to go into the... No, I, I was asking people about their vaccination <laughs> status. That, I said, let me see your card before I sit down at this table. But one of the guys from Australia... Did and you I was really? Like, yeah, I did. I did. And, and they all were mocking Fauci. I was making fun of Fauci and everybody oh, was great. in on it. Yeah. Right. Oh, wow. So maybe the metaverse is for the but unvaccinated. Perhaps, yeah. It yeah. could be. Wow. So it's I a weird think, dynamic, oh, though. Mm-hmm. I do think that there is a lot of stuff going on in the infrastructure world and roads and buildings, all of that, that is going to be part of an augmented reality, if not totally virtual reality, such as the way driverless cars need smart roads. I always felt the infrastructure thing was about moving us into that space. And then I have a story. You're uh, right from- on, by the way, because yeah, this I'll, is I, the smart city. They call it a smart city and this is infrastructure for them. What do you, the, what do the you mean? The metaverse is infrastructure. Yes, and I think it's going to connect with the real world to some extent. And I and 
when you pointed out that the Miami building collapse was coinciding with a lot of the infrastructure talk around the bill that passed, uh, that definitely resonates, rings true to me. And I thought it was, you know, actually, I think I might have said specifically, now they're going to go around and talk about all buildings like that and say that they're not safe and, and tear them down. And Wakasha, Wisconsin, where was the place where the guy ran through a parade, a Christmas was parade? Was it that exactly where Wakasha. that was? Yes, yeah. which is a very small place. But I guess once you get on the map, it's kind of like that mayor in Florida, whoever that chick was. Once they said, oh, she can do it. You know, she's happy to lie. All she wants is her day on TV. Like, let's let's go back to Wakasha. So they went back and there's a condo that engineers determined was on the verge of collapse. So they evacuated it and I and they evacuated other buildings around it because it was on the verge of collapse. So I don't believe that for a second, for a second, not for a second. So <laughs> I'm sure they'll never reoccupy that building or I don't know. I'm not sure, but I'm I feel like the plan is probably to to condemn a lot of buildings so that they can rebuild them in this way of. Uh, for the metaverse. So then yeah. I also saw this as a parallel to the preemptive power outages. So they have power outages everywhere. All of a sudden, like our our grid is inadequate. But if you look at it, it's never that this storm wiped out the grid. It's always the power companies turned off everything because the storm was going to wipe out the grid. So all of these preemptive catastrophes are decisions people are making. Now, you can say they're wise decisions or not, but they're decisions. And it was funny because when I read the article, there was the, the money quote, we're trying to avoid a Florida. <laughs> that said Lieutenant Kevin Rice. Anyway, ugh. Well, so I guess I, I feel like this is all for an eye to build back better and uh, recreate infrastructure for the brave new metaverse. Every yeah, I think so too. That's just not. I didn't see that angle on the the infrastructure bill ha coming, but it's definitely connected to the infrastructure idea. And I don't know if you saw the video that Biden made. It was a TikTok video with Joe Biden and Bill Nye, the science guy, the other day. Well, Bill Nye is on the front lawn of the White House just acting like a lunatic, and he starts saying, build back better. And then you see Biden, very like the walking dead, walks into frame he's just barely moving and he mumbles you stole my line man you stole my line man because he said build back better biden's talking about how bill and i stole his line when biden stole the great reset and klaus schwab's line which they had been pushing out for a decade since i think the haiti earthquake if not sooner so you have all that imagery in your head and i, and I wonder how haiti's doing the, these days doesn't seem better i guess it wasn't better enough <laughs> Staying in the metaverse for a moment, there are virtual trainings, diversity trainings that have emerged, especially over the past couple of years that are happening in the metaverse where people will enter the metaverse or they'll enter a virtual world, the VR, and the, the trainers, the diversity training people will play, will play these roles, these avatars in this virtual world. And this tech company that provides these resources, these training resources, they have been using white actors to portray people of color in their virtual reality simulations about diversity, equity, and inclusion. So a white guy is playing a black guy, and the scenario is like, how do you handle this situation where 
somebody's coming to uh, D, DFAX is coming to look at your child. You're an African-American family. That's one of the ones. And it's a white guy playing the black character. So this has caused some outrage. However, here, so they're calling it virtual blackface, by the way. Which yeah, I what's was waiting. the outrage? Because I, ha- I have outrage myself. But the it's outrage different. is that it's virtual blackface and that it's the so they're treating it the same way as having a black, a white guy play a black character in a movie. And like another- as a, in a minstrel show. <laughs> Yeah. You know what I mean? That's what it was totally offensive to be uh, because they were always low. They were always low class roles. Right. Yeah. It, it's not just black people, too. It's also they're upset because they're playing women. Men are playing women and they're playing Chinese people. And that what they are calling neurotypical adults are playing autistic children mm-hmm. in the simulations. Have you ever heard that term? Neurotypical full, full autism. Yes, but that's my world. Right. So that's the problem. I know that's a lot of kids who have autism because my son has Down syndrome and interacts with them a lot. I see. The The questions they say this raises, and I'm going to tell you the punchline of this story. They say it raises questions of ethics, of representation in the virtual world, and what standards should govern how people buy and sell virtual bodies to inhabit in a world where we can be anyone we want. Now, I will tell you. That when I was in that virtual world interacting with people, the person next to me was a cyborg that had a green face. The person that was to about two people over from me was a clown. Nobody was a regular person in, in there. And it is strange because you do feel like you're interacting with those avatars. But this particular instance, the, the reason why the white people were playing the people of color is because only one person plays all of the roles in these simulations. They have a way to switch back and forth between roles and they have a voice changer. So they're given a script. They go off of the script. Their voice changes based on the voice changer. And they have to play all of the roles because that's the only way they could scale their business. And they also have black employees. So there's also black people playing white people and black people playing women and playing children. And there's women doing the same thing. So they're just ignoring the actual business model and the fact that other people, other genders and races are doing it too to focus in on this agenda. There's so many things about that that are contradictory or annoy me. So I like it started for me when I guess it was Lara Croft or whatever, where you just have this like badass video game chick. So one time I came in and my son, who's the least PC person I know, his avatar in this first person shooter game was a female. It was just like some hardcore chick. And I was just so surprised to see it. And I wondered if there were other choices. I was like, did they give you that? It's like, no, I just liked it. I was like, okay, that's great. So I, I thought that was, you know, kind of cute. But I, I, my first thought was they didn't give him a choice. And I had a, a friend in law school who would always tell stories and change the gender of the person who he's telling stories. So somebody came into my house um, with grease up to her elbows because she had just fixed the vet in my driveway. And she wanted to go get a beer and slap some asses, you know, whatever, at the local. And it just his stories never made sense because he flipped the genders because he did it because he wanted to be kind of progressive. But it doesn't hang hold true. But uh, if a couple of things, if you're going to take if you're going to put restrictions around what type of character a person can play in the virtual space based on what they are in the meat space. How far down do you drill into those details? Like, what am I? Like, can I play a blue eyed person? 
Could I play a blonde? Because I'm definitely not a blonde. Could a blonde play me? Could a blonde? That's the problem with intersectionality. Where does it stop? Right. And then I guess it's okay for people of color to play white people, but not white people, but people of color, because we've saw we've seen the clips. We've heard the progressives say racism can only go in one direction. And I just I don't know if a really rich black guy could play a really poor white guy, make fun of his like trashy ass or make fun of Yosemite Sam. Like, does it have to be voiced by a white guy? Like, I don't understand where where the privilege and oppression comes in. In an, in an economic sphere like you're talking about. And then I have one last thing, which is the most important. Go for it. Which is, when you, when you rolled out all the clips that taught protesters and activists how to be um, Black Lives Matter activists with and don't care about the violence, embrace the violence, um, taught people how to argue against those who would tell them not to commit violence, they were all white chicks, yeah. So, <laughs> and you could tell by looking at them and listening to them. So if, if it's okay for them to come into the virtual world or even some like where they're not real people on a, on a PSA, a public service announcement on TV, but they look like real people, but they don't look like themselves. They look like a black person. That is like, that is cultural appropriation in an, in an exploitive, a really deceptive way. Because if you knew that all the people, and I'm not saying this is true, but what if all the people behind Black Lives Matter were white? All of them were rich white chicks who went to, I don't know, Wellesley or Bruno or whatever. All of them. That might change your perception of what it's all about. And if it's really accomplishing the goal that it says it is, or if it's meant to, it would change your perception because like, like, like Stacey Abrams says, you can tell by looking at me that I can be trusted. That's what <laughs> yeah. she said. So we don't even get that anymore. Yeah, I, mean, I don't agree with it, but right. she's a created person. She might as well. She's just wearing a suit of of what she looks like, in my opinion. Inside, she's just a, another one in the international elite. Yeah, she's a very she's a skilled con artist who knows how to play to the base that she appeals to and those trainings were a bunch of liberal white women telling their activist trainers and whoever that black people should trust their new interpretation of Martin Luther King and anybody who says otherwise is a racist. Yeah. Wear a mask. Martin Luther King said. Right. (laughs) (laughs) That was the, that was the graffiti on your, in Atlanta. That's so crazy. So, um, I, have been noticing some other. Uh, there's a. It was a big story in the news today that the parents of the Michigan high school shooter have been charged and are on the run. Did you hear about this? I did. So, uh, my first thought was: Do they have red flag laws? Was this a see something, say something thing? Do they have an obligation to do it? Do you remember a week or two ago, I came to you with a Wall Street Journal article where the sheriff was cited saying, I have X number of tools in my toolbox. If I don't use them all, I could be personally liable. And he wasn't necessarily advocating for red flag laws, but it pointed out to me that once you have red flag laws, you are 
you may be liable to use it. And it was in the context of this really extensive article saying about how even places that have red flag laws aren't using them and that they were going to refocus their efforts on giving incentives to law enforcement, training, all of that. So people would start using the red flag laws. I've always had a problem with that. If if they're, if nobody wants to call, prompting people to call, giving them incentives to call is a moral hazard to really get people in trouble and really get them killed. Now, it doesn't appear that there is a Michigan red flag law at this time, but I did find over the past year or two tons of pushes for Michigan to adopt a red flag law. Shrill headlines, we need a red flag law now. I assume this is what it, this is working towards, not only in Michigan, but beyond uh, and they are being charged with uh, involuntary manslaughter. It says involuntary manslaughter in Michigan can be pursued if prosecutors believe someone contributed to a situation in which harm or death was high, um, in which the risk of harm or death was high, I guess. And if convicted, they could face up to 15 years in prison. Um, but if you read the narrative about the parents and what role they may have played, it's just a series of disjointed texts and uh, claims that may or may not be true. They're not clearly in evidence about voicemails and emails and texts. So I would love to see all of the emails, all of the voicemails, all of the texts that went around um, over this time period that they're talking about. There's definitely a narrative being crafted. They're on the run. I don't know. This is starting to seem... Hmm. Somewhat implausible. Yeah. Why would they be on the run? That's a weird... I know they're trying to hold them liable, at least the media is, but... I guess they could face up to 15 years in prison, and I don't... I, I mean, for me, your son is in jail, so they have a ton of leverage. I mean, don't forget Tommy Chong went to jail for something he wasn't even accused of because they used threats that they put his wife and... 99 years. So these guys being on the run is literally abandoning their son, who they haven't given permission to speak to prosecutors, which is required because he's a minor, yet he's being charged as an adult. I don't know what their plan is, but it seems like a, a story I find a little implausible. And I had one quick other one-liner, if I can give it to you. So there's just tons of news, national news, but also local news out here. But it was all over Fox today about all this crime that's happening in California. You brought us the story last week about the smash and grab in San Francisco. And the for some mobs. reason, yeah, it's just, it's just coming out of it, all of a sudden, as if on cue, it's just every day is a new story and they're blaming. And even Ari Fleischer was on Fox today talking about it, saying it has nothing to do with COVID. And of course it has something to do with COVID. I mean, if you have abandoned buildings and lower staffs and you have um, empty areas, everybody's wearing a mask. Like there's definitely a piece of that in this. But that they're blaming this, the Gascon, who is the uh, DA in L.A. right now, for having the no bail rule. So you just get off. Even if you're, have a, you're being accused of a crime against person or property, you still don't go to jail or bail before your trial, which is reasonable um, unless you're a danger. I agreed with Ari Fleischer on that. But so... He also changed certain like theft up to a thousand dollars to a misdemeanor from a felony. And they are they definitely can shape behavior with policy, especially if they advertise it nonstop that you can do it. And my prediction is 
that they are. So what happens in California spreads to the rest of the country. It's every time I've seen something like this, it does. And from homelessness to cigarette bans to everything. And what happens is either other mayors, governors, whatever, adopt expressly the policies of California, like happened in Austin with the homelessness. Or they do it behind the scenes. They've given they're given a model code and they follow it. But this is about spreading that around. And I absolutely anticipated policies that would increase crime as early as Ferguson. It's when Obama came out and he said we need basically kinder, gentler policing. I said, holy crap, this guy wants crime. Crime has been way down. That is a big problem for government that absolutely lives on your fear and on the actual danger that you're in. If there is no crime, people will stop wanting government. You can just, there's, I have a long list of, of resources and evidence of that, um, from, uh, Nixon's war on drugs to the report from Iron Mountain. I mean, they like crime and they're bringing it. They certainly are. And people who work in these stores are talking about how terrified they are. Nobody wants to work there anymore. Nobody wants to shop there anymore. It's going to destroy the economy of those areas. And they do always test out this insane communistic stuff out in California. Before we get to our final story of the Free 30, which is going to be about we're going to get into the emerging narrative that may point from domestic terrorism to an actual hot war abroad. I want to tell you about what we're going to talk about in the DMBXR, which is how one man attempts the most creative way you've ever heard of to avoid getting the vaccine and how TikTok might just get you killed. But before that, Monica, tell us about our sponsor of today's show. <laughs> oh, well, Brad, thanks for asking. Um, unfortunately, because I'm out of town, I cannot pull that up or we will stop having broadcast capability. So, Oh, my goodness. That's interesting. <laughs> I guess I can pull it up for sure. Granite State Spice Blends is our sponsor of today's show. They have the promo code TUNNELPEOPLEUNITE10. You can put that in when you check out for a discount. Go to your spice drawer and check the ingredient labels on those plastic bottles of stale, discolored powder that have been there for years. If you're seeing silicone, dioxide, tricalcium, phosphate, monosodium, glutamate, and a bunch of other scientific terms you can't pronounce, it's time for an overhaul. Do you really want to be eating the ground-up version of what's in those tiny packages you toss from your shoeboxes that clearly state, do not eat? Well, that is what silicone dioxide is, and it's found in loads of FDA-approved foods disguised as an anti-caking agent. I certainly would not eat this, and I sure don't want anyone listening to the propaganda report eating it either. After all, we need to stay healthy for the big move into the tunnels. After you chuck all of those stale spice blends or use them as pest control in your garden, come over to GraniteStateSpiceBlends.com and refill your pantry with a load of small batch spice blends that are sure to please. Matt Pearson and his wife, Kim, own and operate Granite State Spice Blends in Salem, New Hampshire. They are craft spice blenders creating some tasty concoctions for meats, veggies, and anything else you want to add flavor to. Their ingredients are treated with the attention and care only a professional chef can give to such an important part of your food, the flavor. They toast all of the seeds and chilies over apple wood and fogo marble mortar to release the full flavor and aromatics resulting in a spice blend that will transform your food into something amazing. 
They never add any mystery fillers or chemically derived flavoring agents. It's just herbs and spices, baby. So out with the old and in with the new. Granite State Spice Blends will bring the right flavor to you. I really have to say that I really, really like them. I make my tacos now with Taco Tuesday and uh, like a hot, spicy glitter dust or something. <laughs> I don't know, but it's full of really delicious chilies. And we have a lot of fun now with they're really good. They're really good and fresh. Find them at GraniteStateSpiceBlends.com. Live free or die. Hey, you know, I think they would be a great Christmas present, like a little package. What's the promo code? Promo code is TunnelPeopleUnite10, and that will get you 10% off the entire order. Nice. Coupon has no limits and no restrictions. And also, guys, go leave us a, a review or rating. Help us out. That helps us show up higher in the search engines. It makes us feel better. It also fights off the trolls that we are under attack by at an increasing level right now. So go do that. Go to thepropreport.com. If you haven't given us your email address, give us your email address there. Check out the website. Engage in the press pool community. We have a great little community growing there with lots of links and resources are posted from the Propaganda Report community. Thepropreport.com. Check it out. And now on to our final story of the Free 30, which is going to be about the... Man who tried... No, wait, that's what we're doing in the uh, It's the far-right Twitter thing. It's the Twitter thing. That's right. So, there's a new Twitter policy. We're discombobulated today. It's my fault. There's a new Twitter policy, and uh, that Twitter policy, which was rolled out earlier this week, is saying that private... It's a private information policy that would allow someone whose photo or video was tweeted without their consent to request the company to take it down. And the purpose of that policy is to curb the misuse of media to harass, intimidate, and reveal the identities of private individuals, which disproportionately impacts women, activists, dissidents, and members of minority communities. So it's to prevent doxing is what that I would take away from that. However... People are already upset about the way that this new rule is being used because people on the far right who are now being called neo-Nazis by this article, activists, are using the rule to do exactly what the rule says. They're requesting that photos of them be taken down from sites that are from anti-extremist researchers and journalists who specialize in identifying episodes of real world hate. These quote, far-right extremists are asking these people to take their information down and to stop doxing them, and people are pissed off about that Mm. because they want to be able to dox those groups of people, but they don't want to be able to dox other groups of people. And here is the statement that is being pointed to as the outrageous thing that far-right people on Telegram are saying about how they're going to use the new Twitter rule. Due to the new privacy policy... Things now unexpectedly work more in our favor as we can take down Antifa. Doxing, do, we can take down Antifa doxing pages more easily. See, Antifa has these pages where they list people. They just have long lists of doxing pages. And they just called this guy a Nazi sympathizer in the article. I think he was a proud boy. But they're upset that they're going to try and get their photos taken down from Antifa pages. And they're also upset because the sedition hunters, which are the amateur investigators who are going around Facebook and going around Twitter, finding pictures of people who were at the Capitol on January 6th and posting them on Twitter, they're going to not be able to do that. That's where a lot of the 
evidence has come from in the January 6th trial. So I expect to see some sort of modification to this rule. And Twitter's already added a little bit of a modification where they said that anything that adds to like the the public discourse in like a positive way they won't take down it was it was framed weirdly like that <laughs> it gave them a little loophole nice so what did bruce hoffman say first of all i have to tell people that rockfin video we did last night which i'm sure is going to be posted soon enough was at the same time, the best and the worst ever, because it pissed me off so much, like really profoundly, deeply. And I know you go for that. You think that's a selling point. But this makes me just like, really, it was it was shocking how ugh, these people are just from a different world. Your CFR plenary meeting. Yeah. Anyway, but didn't he say something about doxing? He did say something about doxing. He said that they need to do something to curb doxing, which is exactly what this move by Twitter is. But he was talking about curbing it on the side of, quote, journalists, mainstream journalists, people like him. Oh, and elected officials. Yes, yes. that's right. That's what he was saying. That's what this is about. No doubt. That's exactly what it's about. Yeah. Funny. And they're probably behind the outrage about it, too. Yeah, yeah. Because then you had to refine it so that they can use it discriminatingly yeah so i just uh, the thing ukraine is in the news like crazy right now and i anticipated this with all that impeachment stuff that they were getting us ready to go into ukraine to keep russia from taking those eastern provinces or from the eastern provinces the eastern provinces won't give up the fight they speak russian and russian is now illegal in ukraine they're not capitulating they are not going to capitulate so uh, I, I just feel like there's going to be a tie-in, like you've so- talked about a lot, between the domestic terrorists and stuff that happens abroad. And Bruce yeah. Hoffman was talking all about that, too, and uh, how we export Q and all this stuff. But I feel like there's going to be a tie-in between far-right, quote, far-right extremists, domestic terrorists here, and being liking Putin, Putin's super white, and they're a bunch of you know, whatever they're, they, they're going to kind of call them the Nazi continuum. But so I was looking like, how do they treat this in the news? And I found something from a West Point website, like an academic stuff out of West Point. And they talk about all the neo-Nazis in Ukraine. I put the article in the show notes here. They talk about all the neo-Nazis in Ukraine, but the neo-Nazis are the ones who are fighting against Russia. They were the ones who were our agents there. Tani Brook was, um, John McCain's buddy, uh, Victoria Newland, placed him in there outside of the government to keep uh, directing those elements of Ukraine society. But I don't think that we have that. We don't have that history of of Nazis like they did over there. Our elite were eugenicists and they exported that stuff to Nazis. But as far as this rank and file, like defend the fatherland kind of um Joe Blow Nazi, that I think is uniquely European until people like Bruce Hoffman come and or uh, Yell Eisenstadt come and want to use memetics to enhance dysfunctional subcultures. Yes. And they're going to say anyone who's against this war with Russia is a terrorist. So just like they said, anybody was against any of the world wars was pro-German, even a German spy. You could even arrest them. And I mean, all wars like that. You arrest the people who are against what the elites want. It's worrying me. It is a bit concerning. 
And I think we can take those concerns over into the, the DMB XR. So I think it's time to wrap it up unless we have any shout outs. All right. Thank you guys for listening. You guys can find your drive time news blast every weekday afternoon at the propreport.com or your favorite podcasting platform with the Propaganda Report podcast feed. If you want access to the extra content that we post every time we post a DMB, go to patreon.com slash propaganda report and check out our content there. Or you can go to rockfin.com slash propaganda report and see what we have to offer there as well. We will talk to you next time or in the DMB XR or tonight. Have a fantastic rest of your day.